Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon. If you had a transvaginal mesh, bladder mesh, pelvic sling, or bladder sling implanted for pelvic organ prolapse or stress urinary incontinence, has recently said that, quote, gun control is now a matter of national security. Couple that with the United Nations meeting and the Senate Democrats filibustering for gun control, and you can clearly see that there is another effort to come after the Second Amendment with full force. I got a better idea. How about we enact liberal control instead? Keep pushing, government, and 100 million gun owners in America will be partying like it's 1776. This has been a Josh Bernstein News Minute. I'm Josh Bernstein, and you're up to date. Welcome to the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Raw and uncut, Jiggy Jag, you know how you do it, you know what I'm saying? Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a linguist. no idea. <laughs> I, love I didn't that. know you were a but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267 22 Jiggy. Daddy Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? You must be that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy, thank you so Jeff. It's great. Thank you for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and, uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Welcome to a special edition of the world famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program today. Here on all the great radio stations across the country and around the world, AM, FM, 24-7, and of course, 50-plus AM, FM stations across the country and around the world, iHeartRadio as well, and uh, we are going to go to the old Skype, and we've got uh, Dan Perkins and Don Mazzella with us. They, of course, are the uh, two guys from Verona, and they uh, helped us break down our election coverage last week. And we also have on the telephone today, and I told them about this last week, uh, we're taking a little bit of a break today from politics to chat with Richard Brown, a.k.a. Jesus Christ. Richard Brown is the return Jesus Christ and author of several books on the subject, the Eternal Testament, and also 77 Letters and the New Quran. And uh, he's with us on the telephone. Uh, I guess I'll refer to you as Jesus. Uh, welcome to the broadcast, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. Now, tell us a little bit about why you believe that you are the returning Jesus Christ. I believe that I'm the return Jesus Christ because there's been a lot of things that happened in my life that have totally convinced me. I've written the perfect message to change the world, and uh, I am Jesus Christ. Okay, well... uh We've got Dan Perkins with us today, best-selling author, and uh, he's also from TheHill.com. We also have Don Mazzella from SB Digest. He's our newspaper man. And uh, 
Uh, I guess we'll start with Don. Don, uh, do you have any questions for Jesus? Oh, well, uh, you know, there's a, a famous story about scientists who said, um, uh, fed all of man's knowledge into a computer to ask the computer one question. And when they uh, put all of the uh, information in there, they asked the computer one question. Is there a God? And the re computer re replied, there is now. Uh, having said that, um, I I'm always curious, um, having interviewed in my time a couple of people like yourself, what makes you think that uh, we should accept you as Jesus Christ? All right, so uh, Don, let's... Don, right? Yes, it's yes, it's Don. All right, Don, that's a good question. Um, there has been a lot that's happened that are, and I'll just give you a taste real quick, so just something to do on, but it all started about 20 years ago in 96. And I was living in El Paso, Texas at the time, and uh, I had a that I was in Grant. Now, um, this was about three years after they killed the branches of Lydia. Yes, I'm not hearing him. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that. Get, go go ahead and keep talking, my friend. Get, go ahead. You were living with the Branch Davidians. No, I was I I was living in El Paso, Texas. Oh, okay. The Branch Davidians were in Paco, Texas. Now, um, there was a cult that went to San Diego. Remember Heaven's Gate, and they killed themselves. Yes. Well. I saw a, uh, I, w I went to look at a globe to see what San Diego was There we are. We've got Dan back with us. Um, yep. Now, now Richard, um, you've, you've written a few books on the subject, um, 77 Letters, The New Quran, and The Eternal Testament. Uh, I was really hoping we could get IQ Rizzoli on today when I seen that uh that, that one book you've written, the new Quran. I'm hoping that he'll join us here in a few moments. But um, tell us a little bit about some of the end times with the Bible prophecy and some of the fulfillment and, and, and some of the different things that, uh, that, that you're aware of, because I know we have a limited, limited time with you today. Uh, right. Tell us a little bit about that, and then I'll let Dan jump in there and chat with you as well. All right, yeah, sure. Um, I'll touch base on the new Quran. As, as the Christ, I believe that I have to bring Jew, Christian, and Muslim together as one. That's going that's to be our new Jerusalem. So we also know that the Quran stands in the way of that happening. It says God has no children. There's no way to bring Jew and Christian together as long as it keeps saying God has no children. So um, part of the coming to the world and showing them that I'm the Christ, I have to convert them to the belief that we are the children of God. And if it takes changing the Quran, and it will get everyone in the world's attention. Once we have everyone's in the world's attention, they have no choice but to uh, listen to what I said. You know, my videos, which is the seal. Yes. It's really super deep. I mean, it's going to trip a lot of people out. And uh, I can 
Mexico to take control of the world and proclaim it back to Jesus Christ Almighty. Okay. We've got uh, Dan Perkins with us today. Dan, do you have any questions for uh, for Richard, aka Jesus Christ, while we have him on the while we have him on the line? We don't have him for the full hour. We've just got a little bit of time here with him. So, in other words, you're saying to me, only ask a few questions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I'm fascinated with the subject matter. Um, I guess. Um, if you are the reincarnated Christ, are you the Antichrist or the Son of God? All right. Uh, well, I've heard the question a thousand times, and no, I'm not the Antichrist. Jesus is And everything that I'm doing is to proclaim that to the world. Now, if, uh, you know, Satan kills me, he takes the wrong dude, I promise you. Because that will change his game on a quick, right? Yes. And Jesus, Jesus will end up winning. And uh, we're, I, I, it's like I, I have a royal flesh in my hand. I have to play my hand on this world and see what happens. But if, if, you, are, if you are the, 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 the risen Christ, what, what, what powers do you have to bring about the change that you articulated. All right. Um, let's uh, explain what I mean. I believe that I'm a vessel, and I believe that the Spirit of Christ is inhabiting me, the anointed Spirit, um, that's supposed to make His presence known to the world. It's, it's somehow it's like it's happening to me. It's like, you know, things that I write and I'm saying and I'm doing aren't coming from me. They, they, they are coming from someplace else. And all I'm doing is just following what I'm, I'm being led to do. And how am I going to prove it? No, I don't believe in miracles. I don't walk in water. I don't change my mind into wine. I believe the Bible is an allegorical book. It's pretty so uh, because we have limited time, let me go to another question real quick. Okay, go, Dan. Uh, if, if the Muslim faith, on a global basis, is somewhere between 1.3 and 1.5 billion people. There have to be hundreds of thousands of imams in mosques all over the world. How are you going to convince these religious leaders that their tradition from the 600s must be thrown away? Um, it's going to take a lot. I'm not going to convince them one at a time. You're right. Okay? So I'm going to have to convince them all at the same time. So I'm going to put them all in a tank, and then I'm going to kick the fence out from underneath them. And all going to fall down on their face and say, oh, my God, we are God's children. This guy is the Christ. He just saved us all. And hopefully they'll be preaching that message from that point on. Now... Is it going to take a, a little effort to get under their feathers and ruffle their feathers a bit? Sure, and I'm ready to do that. But I, I don't think this is a matter of ruffling, ruffling feathers. We're talking about elements within the Islamic faith that have been persecuting, murdering, beheading, butchering Christians, Coptic Christians, Christians that have traced their heritage back a long, long time in the Middle East. 
and that and that hatred for the Coptic Christians, the hatred for the West, the hatred for America. How do you take that hatred out of these people's souls? Well, I think it's going to have to do that. I'm going to have to prove I really am a prophet. And once they get that realization, man, he is a prophet. Let's listen. And then he's going to say, what kind of balls does it take? Well, maybe he is the Christ trying to save everyone. If we do what he says, then the world becomes one and the believers in God take over half of the world at least. We're separatists moving. Did I misunderstand you to say that you don't claim to be the risen Christ, you, you claim to be a vessel of the Lord? Um, I believe that all believers in the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, and them when they become a believer. I also believe that only one of us can be the point of that sword. And I believe I've been chosen to be that point. Everything points to the fact that I am the... And, uh, it's going to take some uh, people sitting down and looking at what's being done at the time to come to that conclusion also. And, and it, you know, we just get the way started and it'll take over. Where were you born? I was born in Camp Zama, Japan. I'm sorry, I couldn't understand. You, you were born in Japan? Is that what you were saying? I was in Japan, yeah, Camp Zama. My dad was in the service. Ah, okay. When he got out, he was uh, in NSA. He as a uh, chief officer for He's pretty high up there, I hear. So, so when, did you, when did you come to the conclusion, and what brought you to the collusion, conclusion... Maybe that uh, was the right yeah, word. I haven't touched uh, a lot of the signs and wonders kind of part of it, but uh, I, again, I was it was nice to maybe run out of time. I was living in El Paso. If you take the longitude, Jerusalem, El Paso, and Waco, it's all in longitude. Take the first couple of weeks, it spells the word Jew. If you take the, uh, Waco and combine it with Oklahoma City, you combine Heaven's Gate with it, you'll see that there's people who died at each of those points. Right? And if you draw a line between Waco and Oklahoma and a line between San Diego and Dallas, Texas area, it makes a cross. Somebody was built a cross. Yeah. And uh, they didn't realize I would show up. I've had the stigmatas. I've had the... Uh, do, you, do, you get, do, you, do you have regular communications with the Lord? No, not like what you think of not like what? Not like what you think. I, mean, I don't sit there and um, have a running conversation with God. I know that he's got it. part of what he's doing. So how, how much time is there left before the end of the world? The end of the world is a day, so it's still going on. A day might be a while. It's going to, like I said, you know, we haven't even... We haven't even really got it off the ground. He figured, look, once the Muslims really catch on, this guy just changed the Quran, they might get upset. And I'll be on the front page of every newspaper in the world. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to listen to my 707 videos on I Am Jesus movie on YouTube. All right? One word, I Am Jesus movie. And uh, watch those videos, and it'll change your mind. I'm changing the mindset of the world at this time. 
And people are going to have to get in line and realize that I mean serious business. It can't be stopped anymore. Mm. And how do you fund your 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 mission? I, I don't fund my mission. I'm pretty poor, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you live in a cave or what? Uh, no, no cave. Uh, I got to be a nice little one bedroom apartment in New York City area. Mm. Well, you have uh. I, you have I, a full job. Yes, do you, do you have a full time job there, Richard? Well, I work from home. I'm glad you asked. It's uh, I figure it's called Worldwide Bankers Group, and the theory is that once they get a couple of million people saying, "Oh my God, he might be cheap," they're going to have to the bank. And uh, basically, right now, the business is if anybody needs a loan, look us up. Worldwide Bankers Group, top dollar lender, with well, uh, I appreciate you making time for us today. Uh, we've got to move along, but I appreciate you making time for us today, and we will uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. I hope you learned something, Dan. Yes, indeed. We are going to take a timeout with Dan Perkins and Don Mazzella. We're going to put them on hold on Skype when we come back. We will chat about election fallout from last week. We've got more coming up. Hello, everybody. I'm Kip Marlowe, author of The Entrepreneur's Success and Sacrifice. If you're interested in starting a business, growing your current one, or just need some inspiration, this is the book for you. Learn the secrets of success from entrepreneurs like Arlene Neen, who just started her seventh company at the age of 96. Order it at ecrsuccess.com or at Amazon and learn 22 stories of ordinary people who became wildly successful. It could change your life. This is The Risk Takers from Entrepreneurs Club Radio. Living in Erie, Pennsylvania, John Allen was used to snowy winters. He took advantage of the weather, put a snowplow on his pickup truck to plow residential driveways. Having an entrepreneurial spirit, he decided to expand his business. Now, most people think of snow removal companies as the local landscaper plowing snow in a residential community. Not John. He thought in national terms. In 2000, John was asked to bid on a snow removal contract for part of the Salt Lake City Olympics. He won a piece of the business at a meeting in Salt Lake, and when John was leaving the meeting, he pulled that Columbo close. As an aside, he told them that he could do the whole project for $3,800,000. Never thinking he'd even come close to getting all the business, the Columbo close did the trick. He did get it all. So don't be afraid to ask for the whole contract. You may surprise yourself. And get it. Back to the Jiggy Jaguar Radio Show on the network. Well, if you just came in late or you missed something, check out our website, JiggyJaguar.com. We're going to go back to no Skype. That, uh... And uh, Dan Perkins, Don Mazzella back with us here. And uh, before we get into our fallout from election uh, 2016, gentlemen, <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't schedule that. That's all I, <laughs> I know, I know. That's I just, all. I just figured we needed to have a little bit of a break between uh, all this election nonsense. But uh, this, this guy could have been a, a Democrat for sure. <laughs> 
fantastic. Now, um, let's start with Don on this one. Don, what, what did you make of uh, last week's meeting with President Obama and President-elect Trump? Well, you know, um, uh, I, first off, you have to understand, I, I happen to believe that one of the greatest liars of the, of the 21st century is President Obama. And I don't think he demonstrated it more clearly than in his remarks afterwards. Uh, if you, you know, if you looked at the body language, uh, I was looking at the feed, the uh, the White House feed to to that, which um, b- before and after it was 51 minutes uh, of seeing the two of them together. And you could clearly see they don't like each other, and. Um, uh, the feeling I got from from all, all of this uh, back and forth is you had your day, buddy. Now it's my turn. Was how I uh, that's how I viewed it, uh, and, and uh, I, I really do believe that uh, uh, Obama uh, uh, did what, uh, what he usually do. He lied his way through it. But the interesting thing is he then went on. Um, uh, to his own press conference, and in fact, uh, uh, repudiated everything he had said beforehand by saying that uh, Trump had to do more than what he's doing now. I thought it was a, uh, a typical performance by the president, and, and I'll let, let Dan go on because I think he has some uh, better views of it. I don't know if I have any better views or not, but I do believe that. <laughs> that um, uh, he is living in a different world. and um, Very much so. All I can think about, you know, I, Jim, I was, I was one of the few people that stayed with you till midnight. <laughs> yes. And, uh, <laughs> and I the one who called the election, as you recall. Yes. That she, she couldn't get enough votes. She could only get to 254 if she ran the table with what's left. So, um, but I, I, I think that um, this has been an extremely interesting week to see the reaction in the country. Um, I am convinced now, based on a series of events, uh, that there are people out there who are feeding narratives into... Uh, Facebook for these Democratic liberals who felt so shocked about what happened that they're having nervous breakdowns and they're concerned of thinking about committing suicide. And what, what solidified that for me, Jim, was that only by happenstance that I happened to flip, I don't even know where it was last night. It might have been Fox, but I don't think so. And I was listening to these protesters being interviewed all over the country they all had the same lines jim like it was scripted. <laughs> like it was scripted and i'm saying wait a minute how is that possible how could they be using the same unless it was scripted and so somebody on in social media some probably somebody from uh the democratic committee i don't know who uh is feeding this garbage out to to enrage some people, the rest of the protesters, appear to be paid for by MoveOn.org. I also think that 
the the reaction that we saw, and, and I'm going to say in two different camps, Jim. The first is the public, the 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 rank and file Democrats who supported Hillary, and then we've got the news media who supported Hillary. What what was clearly evident here is that the the relationship between the newspapers and the television networks in conducting the polls were biased in the way they constructed the polls. And so they kept feeding this information to the American people and to the Democratic Party. Hillary's ahead. Hillary's going to win. Hillary's ahead. At one time, within two weeks of the of the, of the election, Hillary was up 12 points, and she dropped from 12 points to up two. So everybody was drinking the Kool-Aid. And <laughs> yes, even, yes, yes, it even was. The even the people who were serving the Kool-Aid wound up drinking the Kool-Aid. So what happened on election night is you saw this meltdown of the mainstream press who didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to say. How is it yes. possible that Hillary didn't win? She was supposed to win. The polls all told us that she was going to win. They didn't realize that the polls were biased until after the election. So here we had um, the Democratic Party operatives who believed that Hillary is going to win because they believed the press clippings from the press about the poll data. And then the people who were issuing the poll data believed their own corrupt information. And so when all of it came crashing down, they were not prepared to deal with the possibility that Mrs. Clinton was going to lose because she was a shoe-in, she was going to win going away, it was going to be a landslide. All of that rhetoric that you heard going into election night created a sense of confidence in the part of many Democratic people across the country, young and old, and when she didn't make it, they were devastated, both the press and the, and the people. Now, uh, I I want to I want to focus on another topic here with you guys, and that is this uh, situation that Obama is going to be going on. Uh, basically, he's he's plotting a one last apology tour. He's going to be going to uh, Greece and Germany and Peru, and uh, among one of the things that uh, he's basically that there, there's been a rumor that he's planning on apologizing for for Trump being elected. Some of these things, Don. What, what, what do you make of all this? It, what, what, why, why does he feel he has to do this? But, um, because he doesn't want to admit that his legacy is going to be dismantled over the next two, uh, two years. Um, you have to understand. He he still thinks he's the smartest man in whatever room uh, he's in, and, and uh, it's going to eventually come back to bite him. But but right now he he still has a pulpit and he's going to use it. There's no ends ifs or buts about it. Yeah. He's he's going to uh, use it as much as he can. And um, unlike uh, uh, other uh, uh, presidents uh, who uh, have passed on the mantle of their leadership, he uh, he really did not expect to be passing it on to uh, Donald Trump. And, and as a as a result, he's sitting out there, um, uh, mortally afraid of of what's going to happen 
which is, um, quite frankly, he, um, uh, the spanling of, of uh, everything he worked for. Uh, for instance, he will not recognize that the that the uh, Democratic Party has lost 900 state, Senate, and Assembly seats since he took office. They've lost 16 governorships. Um, the Democrats have have lost the net 13 senators. All of this um, on his watch, and 90. Um, I think the latest total is 91, 91 congressmen. Is that a record you can, uh, uh, posterity can uh, bring forth uh, and say this is a great president? Um, his, his, uh, the North Atlantic trade, the Pacific trade agreement is uh, shattered. Uh, NAFTA is going to have um, uh, uh, be repealed. Yes. All of these things are not the end. Uh, a legacy upon which you want to be by judged by history. He will be, of course, he will be the first black president. But uh, uh, it's very interesting. That was inevitable. You know, there's a, um, a, a great movie that they played on election night on a Turner Classic movie called uh, Advise and Consent. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's probably the, the best movie on uh, Washington Insider. And in it, the, the president at that time, time says, while in the, now, this is 1963. Yeah. While, um, uh, uh, well, we don't know what's going to happen. We may in the future have a Negro president. Amazingly prophetic in 1962. So, um, all, all this, probably the only thing, uh, uh, President Obama will go down for in, for his tenure, eight years in office, is the fact that he was the first black president. Everything else will be swept under the table or uh, more likely uh, pillared uh, to post. Dan, you want to comment? Yeah. I certainly do. I certainly do. Um, first of all, let me suggest to you that Mr. Obama also drank the Kool-Aid that was coming out of the major networks. Yeah. So he as much dismayed that he's turning his legacy over to Republican, much less Donald Trump. It's number one. Number two, (laughs) uh, if you look back on his presidency, his constituency over his eight years were blacks, Hispanics, LBGT, and, and some women. His presidency did not include the 63 to 70%, depending upon how you count, white people in the United States. Yes. And it is the white males and females who turned him and his policies out by rejecting Mrs. Clinton. Now, I believe there's already, and I wrote a piece, uh, should be out on Constitution, I think, or or one of the websites, I'm not sure which, um, that the news media created a new, in my opinion, racial slur. And that is non-college-educated white people. See, it's the the Democrats have to segment people. Yes. 
gays, lesbians, women, blacks, Hispanics, Native Americans, Asians, whatever, they tend to put people in segments or silos. So rather than just say white people, men and women, they had to put a but they had to put a connection, a quote, non college educated white person. Now, I think it's amazing, again going back to the stuff that's circulating on Facebook. Now, understand, Jim, there were probably 120 to 122 million people who voted. There is a story on the Internet that a petition is being circulated to overturn. Oh, yes, I've seen this. And it's a, they say it's about 4 million people. Now... I suggested in an article that maybe those people who are signing the petition need to go back to college and find themselves an American history government professor and ask them the question, how do you modify the Constitution? You don't modify it by a petition. You modify it by the Congress of the United States passing a constitutional amendment with a two-thirds majority, then it then is signed by the president and has to go out and be approved by two-thirds of the states within a certain period of time. Yes. They think that they can issue a petition and change the outcome of the election. That shows you how uneducated the educated white people are. According to um, uh, a website, I'm, I'm drawing a blank at the moment, if I think of it, I'll tell you. They did a poll, Jim, and the poll asked the question, should only college graduates be allowed to vote? Wow. The, resp- the response was 63% of the people who responded said yes. Now, according to the last census, Approximately 25% of the adult population in the United States has a college degree. So we're going to we're going to say that only college-educated, graduated people can vote. That means 75% of the population can't vote. You want to talk about? <laughs> we'll talk about elites. That's real elite. Number one. Number two. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Half of the people that are reported as unemployed in the country today, Jim, are college graduates. So maybe, it may be in order to vote, you have to be a college graduate who has a job, who's paid off their student loans, and is not living in your parents' basement. (laughs) There's there's a real minority for you. Yes, yes. And so what happens? I saw what I saw happening, and I saw it from the very beginning. And Don has has complimented me that I called this very early on, not on Tuesday, when he first came on down the steps of the escalator at the Trump Tower. I said he's he automatically knows exactly what he needs to say for what the vast majority of white people in this country say. White people in this country watched what happened during the campaign. 
And they were told, if you, according to Hillary, if you vote for Trump, you are a racist. And if you think back over the campaign, and you think of the words racist, sexist, homophobe, xenophobe, those were not terms used by the Republican candidate. Those were all terms used by the Democratic candidate. Yes. And so she said, if, if because Trump was against illegal immigration, she said he is a racist. And therefore, <clears throat> she said, anybody yes. who votes for Trump is by association a racist. Does that include, Jim, the 40% of Hispanics who voted for Trump? The 12% of blacks who voted for Trump, are they racist too? We've got Don Mazzella, Dan Perkins with us today, and they join us live here on our broadcast, 37 minutes after the hour. Now, something I want to get your guys' thoughts on, and we'll start with Don since he's got a little bit of uh, experience on this, is the... uh, after this election, basically one of the biggest in our history took place. People weren't just waiting to find out who the next president was going to be. A lot of the nation was waiting to see how the rules surrounding marijuana in certain states were going to play out. There were five states, California, Arizona, Maine, Massachusetts, and Nevada, who were seeking approval to go beyond medical marijuana use and permit it for recreational use among adults. California voters approved a proposition to allow the recreational use of marijuana, while other states, like Nevada and Florida, expanded legal access to the drug. Voters in Arizona and North Dakota also passed new marijuana measures on Tuesday, which makes this the closest U.S. has ever come to a national referendum on marijuana. Don, give me your thoughts, and then we'll let Dan jump in there. Well, what's truly amazing about it, but if you look at um, uh, uh, the voters who are supposed to be dumb, uh, in, in Florida uh, really split their vote on this issue. Um, uh, Trump took the state, yet yet if you, you argue that he's a conservative and that he's bringing out conservative people, they voted for liberalization of marijuana. Um it was a, a foregone conclusion that um, uh, uh, it would pass in, in most of the states. The fact that it didn't pass in two states uh, really had more to do with the laws themselves that were poorly drawn. Um, saying all that, and and you know, uh, Jiggy, I am for medical marijuana, but very much against um, uh, a recreational mar- yes. marijuana. Yes. What what it what it really means is that um, we're moving towards what is so necessary: the the uh, ability of uh, the, the the National Science Foundation, National Institute of Health, and others to permit the um, research on the medicinal qualities of uh, marijuana, which I think is a very important first step. Um, uh, to, towards a, a, a national dialogue. We will have, uh, I will predict um, uh, that within three years we will have a backlash because despite what uh, people will tell you, Colorado uh, has had an, a significant uptick tick in accidents caused by marijuana, uh, in, uh, inhaling of marijuana, ingestion, etc. Well, uh, uh, but the uh, the tide has turned. There's no doubt 
that we will see um, uh, quantum leaps in the use of uh, me medical marijuana um, as uh, as a tool in the fight against um, uh, various sicknesses. Uh, unfortunately, um, in, uh, I think the, the laws are not as strict as they are in New Jersey, which are the strictest in the country. And even with that, I just got to point out, I just got, uh, you know, I sit on the board, and I just got some <laughs> figures. Uh, last, uh, this year, uh, we're, we're still two months from the, we are now almost 40% higher in the number of registered um, users of, of legalized mar medical marijuana than we were last year. That's a tremendous jump. Uh, for this state, because it's, uh, we have the most onerous sign-up uh, system, so clearly, uh, as a, um, a, a medical prescription, it is gaining acceptance. Uh, and uh, could I just go one step further? Yes. Uh, and point out that um, the, whether the figure is sixty, seventy, or eighty percent depends on how you look at it. Don't forget, most of our pharmaceutical drugs. Uh, derived themselves from plants, uh, uh, from the original plants, and whether they're they're uh, enhanced by our, our our pharmaceutical companies or not, it, it's still uh, medical uh, marijuana. All eight hundred uh, different strains. There are different strains that do different things, and they have a a, a wonderful effect on people. So um, uh, I guess. Uh, uh, after all is said and done, I'm happy with what happened. I, I just know we will we will also uh, have some consequences from it. Dan? Well, I've been listening to that stuff, and um, I think that it's representational of what I said a few moments ago in that under the Obama agenda, whether it was gay marriage, or whatever it was, LBGT rights, uh, rights of women, women's health, abortion, all these things. Um, what, what we have in this country is a, a moral pendulum that swung considerably to the left and was pushed left by the Obama administration and the Democrats in their agenda. So I think that the legalization of marijuana, even for medical purposes, without fundamental research, and I've, I've argued this point with Don many times, that I would like to see the scientific method used to verify that it's consistently effective and is, is not a anecdotal effectiveness. But I believe that, that um, we, we're pen, the pendulum may begin to swing back the other way and things that we had may be regretted. For example, if Mr. Trump, since he, we're hoping that he takes the oath of office, that he survives all the death threats that he's getting, uh, and he appoints a, uh, a conservative judge to place, replace Anthony Scalia, um, whether Thomas retires, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I'm not sure can handle any more terms, so I think there's the possibility that that Mr. Trump may, in fact, appoint three, possibly four judges to the Supreme Court if he serves for eight years. 
And with a more conservative court, I think you're going to see challenges to certain laws. You may see, for example, uh, a challenge on uh, gay marriage. You might see a challenge on on the legalization of marijuana. And I think that the, the pendulum of the people is will swing to more conservative nature as opposed to liberal nature. Not going to happen overnight, but I believe it's going to swing the other way. I think with incidents like what's happening in Colorado with the increased number of DWI accidents, um, and we'll probably see the same thing happen in, in the Northwest, and as these other places approve recreational marijuana use, while the pundits are talking about the great source of tax liability or tax revenue generation on the part of this drug uh, for the states, I am very concerned that, and I've said this to Don, um, if you have, if you look at the, the 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 grade of marijuana that's being offered today to be smoked, the tar content in that marijuana is many times greater than the tar content in cigarettes. And how is the state going to deal with the problem of these marijuana users who wind up getting cancer? And are the are the states going to wind up suing themselves? to deal with the inhaled smoke, or are they going to not permit it to be smoked? Well, you can't enforce that. It's going to happen. And so I think that there are going to be repercussions that are not being discussed today about the implication on society, on the ability of people to handle the drugs, and you may see the pendulum swing back the other way. From your lips to God's ear. <laughs> We've got Dan uh, Perkins, Don Mazzella, with us today. Don, do, do you want to uh, follow up there on, on Dan's points? Uh, um, the, uh, yes, I would. I, I <clears throat> um, surprisingly agree with him. <clears throat> you know, uh, the, the history of this nation is one of uh, constant pendulum sw swinging from one side to another. And um, we have for the past... Uh, really, 20 years been swinging one way, and now, <clears throat> w uh, with the election of uh, uh, Donald Trump, I think we're going to start to see a little bit tipping the other way. We're already seeing, see, <clears throat> excuse me, seeing it. By the way, um, I, I don't know if you've been following it. A very simple point um, uh, on health care, the ACA Act. There's no question that the ACA Act will be se severely modified. How it's modified uh, is the real question. But uh, two things that uh, will definitely not go away is that uh, acceptance uh, without regard to previous uh, health history and keeping the, uh, children till they're 28. Uh, I think those two things um, uh, will stay. But other parts of it, uh, including the death pa panels, I think uh, will change over the next two years. Again, uh, how does that fit with Dan is saying about the pendulum? Um, we swung, With the ACA Act, we sw swung very perilously close to a single payee uh, system. We managed to avoid it, at least for the moment. 
But as Dan points out all the time, and I'm beginning to agree with him, the liberals play the long game, the conservatives play the short game. And who knows, in 24 we may facing, be facing the same dilemma. Back to you. Now, uh, we've got Dan Perkins, Don Mazzella with us today. They join us live here in our broadcast. And, uh, it is, it has been a, a fallout from election 2016. Um, speaking of the, the healthcare, uh, situation, uh, Donald Trump last week, uh, on a few websites, uh, released some details of what he, uh, plans on doing with the healthcare uh, crisis, basically, with Obamacare and some of the different things. One of the things he wants to do is completely repeal Obamacare. Uh, elected representatives must eliminate the individual mandate. No person should be required to buy insurance unless he or she wants to. Um, one of the other things he wants to do is he wants to modify existing laws that inhabits the uh, sale of health insurance across state lines. He says as long as the plan purchased complies with state requirements, any vendor ought to be able to offer insurance in any state by allowing full competition in this market. Among other things, he wants to allow individuals to fully deduct health insurance premium payments from their tax returns on the current tax system. He wants to allow individuals to use health savings accounts, contributions into HSAs should tax, uh, tax-free and should be allowed to accumulate. Um, he also wants to require price transparency from all health care providers, especially doctors and health care organizations like clinics and hospitals. He wants to block grant Medicaid to the states. Nearly every state already offers benefits beyond what is required in the current Medicaid structure. However, the state governments know that their people know their people best and can manage the administration of Medicaid far better without federal overhead. And one of the last things he has is remove barriers uh, to entry into free markets for drug providers that offer safe, reliable, cheaper products. Congress will need the courage to step away from the special interest and do what is right for America. Though the pharmaceutical industry is in the private sector, drug companies provide a public service, allowing consumers access to imported, safe, and dependable drugs from overseas will bring more options to consumers. Now, this sounds like a heck of a plan, uh, but but what do you guys think of this whole thing? Because he's got, he's got seven points here that are very interesting. This comes directly from his website. Dan, can I answer this one? No, but go ahead anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, uh, I, because I have a good, a good... No plan ever survives the first um, hint of battle. And... and uh, while everything you say is good, and I would support every single one of them, yeah. it's not going to happen um, because there, there's three major competing um, uh, uh, groups in in uh, Washington. And Bud Carson, by the way, uh, just resigned uh, and refused the uh, to be uh, Secretary of Health uh, Education. Um, I don't know if you you saw that, but but it tells me that that the infighting for this has just begun. Uh, if I were a betting man, um, everything but um, selling across uh, state um, state lines are probably going to be enacted in some form, but not that. And that would be the one that would probably help every everybody more than any other. Um, I'll keep quiet now, but I just had to get that out, Dan. Well, I saw the I saw the announcement that Carson uh, said to Trump that he was not interested in health and human services uh, because he believed he could do he could be more valuable to Mr. Trump as an advisor. Uh, he is he said I am not trained to 
run a cabinet, and uh, it would be a disservice to the country for me to be involved in doing that. So um, I don't know whether that's all rhetoric or whether that's what he really believes. Um, but as it relates to affordable care, this is one of those things, Jim, that drove non-college-educated white people to the polls when they saw what was happening. And it was interesting that whoever planned the reporting didn't pay attention to the election cycle that new rate structures would have to be announced just before, literally just before the presidential election. So while the administration two weeks before said it's average 25%, we heard about the 116% in, in Arizona and, and 50%, I think it was, in Michigan. So all of a sudden, again, the president lost credibility, as did Mrs. Clinton when she was supporting Obamacare to, to enhance it and expand it. I think it's one of those things that caused, uh, I hope not, irreparable damage to the American health care system. Uh, I am concerned that people um, made changes in their lives because of the Affordable Care Act. The number of independent physicians has dropped dramatically. Private practitioners, many, many doctors who in private practice sold their practices to hospitals and are now serving on staff in, in the bureaucracy of the hospital itself. They're no longer caring for patients. We've had a whole new style of doctor, the concierge doctor, come out. So I don't know, uh, with the damage that's been done to the healthcare system, that it can be repaired. I, I'd like to hope that it can be, but I don't know that it can be. Um, when you, when the Democrats destroy something, they try and fix it by adding more bureaucracy and more taxes and everything else. So the one thing is that the Democrats passed Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, and the, the president, with all of his shenanigans of what he did over the years, may in fact have caused this demise. But um, I, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. Uh, I hope that we can come back to a fairer, more affordable health care system because 83% of the people who are on Obamacare are subsidized by the government. And that, by the way, is not really the government, Jim. It's people like me and you and Don yes. who pay taxes, where a portion of the budget is used to subsidize those people. And it all comes back to the issue, did, it, did they not have health care? No. It was all about health care insurance. Even people who don't have health care insurance can get health care. And what we've done by concentrating the hospitals, closing hospitals, we have limited the ability of where people go. And what about the people who can't afford it, who can't even pay the 17% of the subsidized premium? What are they going to do for health care? So this is not going to be an easy problem to fix. And I suspect there is going to be some pushback from the Democratic Party. Now, I would say to you, the numbers that I see in two years, one-third of the Senate is up for re-election. 
of that one-third, 21 are Democrats. So what the Democrats do to, to block Mr. Trump's agenda or try and filibuster his agenda could have a dramatic impact on the construction of the Senate two years from now. Here, here. Um, <laughs> can, um, I, I want to jump to a, a subject. I don't know if you've seen it, Dan, but um, uh, they, they've discovered that a Chinese uh, producer of uh, cell phones has uh, have built into it a, a uh, uh, an app or whatever that that enabled it uh, 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 back in China to follow what. Uh, uh, what was everything that was done on that cell phone, either uh, text, etc. Um, I don't know. A, a secret backdoor in some U.S. phones sent data to China is the headline, and, and I think uh, I only want to bring it up because I think that, uh, in coming months, when we talk about the coming conflict between the United States and China, let's understand that China is the next new enemy that we are going to uh, face uh, uh, not only in the uh, Far East but all over the world. And uh, they aren't going to wait for us to come to them. They're going to come to us. Yes. Uh, but, but I would say in response to that, I, while I understand your concern, and it's certainly valid, the capital markets uh, after Trump was elected dramatically pounded the Chinese yuan currency. Um in the, the belief that Mr. Trump will be much harder and try and get more balance to trade, which means the cost, not only to us, but the cost to the Chinese import to the United States will be greater. And so I think there is a grave concern that the largest trading partner in the world, the, the good old U.S. of A., as somebody once said, may become a little more stickler in renegotiating these deals so that they may not necessarily be as lucrative to China. And that economic yes. leverage, Jim, of negotiating trade deals may have significant impact on what China does in the South China Sea in terms of its island building and its, and its uh, military strength. I couldn't agree more, yes. but the, the really interesting thing about all of this is the fact that, that we're building up Vietnam and other places to replace um, the Chinese for cheap labor, right. which is ironic, but, uh, but the reality, to us. The reality of that, Don, is at some point in time, you're going to run out of places to go. Yes. And then... You're going to run out of places to go for cheap labor because they've all been used up. And then maybe maybe the manufacturing will return to the United States in the form of robots. Well, that's, that's <laughs> a it's a possibility that robots. I mean, I think that that's, that's an important factor, Jim, in, in looking at it. Um, Foxcom, who is the largest contract manufacturer for Apple, has now replaced over 60,000 jobs with robots. Um, what is this society going to look like? I mean, if you follow any of the, the stuff that's being developed in, in humanoid robots, uh, yes. 
it's it's changed a great deal. And I, I was going to say something, but I decided I shouldn't say anything about the kind of robots that they're they're developing. But you know, somebody to spend the afternoon in your parents' basement. But um, uh, but I do think that that's that's going to be a challenge of how do we grow this economy as we look for more and more more ways to be competitive uh, in whatever it is we do. And uh, I, I, I think that um, Don may be right. As we run out of places to go around the world to find cheap manufacturing, we may find that we are, in fact, cheaper than any place else in the world. And my guess is we're out of time, are we, bud? Yes, yes, we are. As we go, I want you guys to, uh, we'll start with Dan. Uh, give us your plugs, my friend, and uh, where we can find you and all that. Um, the book website is danperkins.guru. Uh, the new Christmas book, or not Christmas book, but the new book with a special Christmas deal that will be announced shortly. Peter, the little Irish seal, is getting a very interesting response. Um, but the, the Brotherhood of the Red Nile trilogy is still also available at danperkins.com, or excuse me, danperkins.guru, and at Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. And the sequel is in final edit, and the fifth novel is about 83 chapters, and um, that's enough for me. <laughs> okay, Don, give us your thoughts. One more plug. One more plug. Yes. <laughs> and stories for soldiers. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, the. You didn't mention soldiers and sailors for, um, uh, uh, which I think is uh, one of the better things you do in life, uh, Dan. Um, yeah. Don's and stories for soldiers. Us is the website. Sorry, go ahead, Don. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, my uh, edit, my publisher just said we went into our third. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.